0: Hey everybody, Waltrip Unfiltered is gonna be great today. We've got Chad Canal, seven time Monster Energy Cup Series champion. He's gonna sit in that chair there and tell you about all of his experiences and his experiences are deep from working at Hendrick Motorsports, DI, getting getting a a neck hug from Dale Earnhardt, straightening him out. He's gonna tell us all about those amazing moments in his career and what it's like now being the crew chief for Willie B. William Byron. William Byron went to high school with my daughter, so I'm feeling a little bit old right now. But, Chad Knauss is going to wake it all up. We're going to have a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait for you to listen to Chad. Be ready. Green play, green play. So, welcome to my show. Welcome to the Fox Sports Michael Waltrip podcast, Waltrip Unfiltered Studios. What do you think? I think this is pretty cool, man.
1: You've got some neat helmets. You got a great pumpkin with your likeness on it over there. Yeah, everybody
0: needs one of those. Yeah, eh? I mean it's this
1: is nice. I like it, Mikey. It's
0: good stuff. <laughs> so you just did the hub. So that's... It's awesome that you're a part of the Fox Sports team. How's, how'd the hub go? How'd, it was you have really fun? great. It's the first
1: time that I sat next to and spoke to Brad Keselowski since he dumped us in Daytona. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, how was Brad? <laughs> it was good. No, i just <laughs> It was good. Um, so, yeah, the show was good. We uh, we talked about the playoffs. We talked about uh, the performance that we had in Darlington with uh, the 24 car with the City Chevrolet paint job, which was really cool. That was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, it was a good show. I thought it
0: went pretty well. I was joking to you earlier about your presence on social media, and I, I had to <laughs> laugh when I saw the photo of you and the team all yeah. all eating the ice cream, and it was all over the internet. Yeah, I, how'd you like doing that?
1: I, I really enjoyed it. You know, the whole City Chevrolet thing I really came on strong. Uh, obviously, Hendrick Motorsports has deep ties with that movie, um, provided a bunch of the race cars for that. Tom Cruise and Mr. Hendrick became really good friends as they were doing all of the filming and, and everything was going on, so... Um, I, I approached Mr. H with that City Chevrolet paint job for the throwback. And he's like, absolutely. He's like, oh, but we got – yeah, Hendrick Guard. We got to get that on there somewhere. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll make sure we got so that. So that was there. your idea. Yeah, man. That, that was, was really cool. cool. William and I were sitting down and we were talking about it. We were throwing things back and forth. And I just sent Mr. H a quick text. And I was like, hey, man, what do you think about this? And he's like,
0: oh, man,
2: that sounds
1: great. So it was fun. That was cool.
0: Well, when since we're on the subject of Darlington, I know that, that you go you know, back to the 90s when you yeah. showed up in NASCAR. I go back to the 70s but. How cool does it feel for you as a as a veteran, a guy that's had so much success, getting to to, to see Dale Inman walk up yeah. and Leonard Wood? I mean, we see Leonard a lot, but I saw Chuck Brown and and Steve Steve Grissom. Grissom. Uh, yeah, just so many racers that I I I loved, and, yeah. and it's isn't it fun? I think it's fantastic. The whole the whole weekend, it, Kerry
1: Tharp and the gang at, at Darlington do an do do an amazing job, and they sold out a crowd again. Yeah, you know everybody buys into it and everybody has fun with it it's kind of like a Halloween party right everybody gets a little apprehensive until everybody shows up in their in costume and then it's kind of cool right yeah you know, and that's the way everybody took the whole Darlington thing initially now it's gotten on a life of its own it right. just grows and grows and it's funny like you mentioned we I go through the rate through the the garage excuse me and I'm like man that's Jimmy Mead's old car yeah you know and that's who's is that Chuck Brown's car? Who's that? You know, and like you're just going back and forth. You're like, oh, I remember racing that against that guy. Uh, I was just talking with Brad. You know, he had that Rusty Wallace paint scheme from '96. Mm-hmm. Well, we battled that car constantly when I was on the '24 car. Like, it, it gave me sh- nightmares. I was yeah. like, yeah, not the black car again. You know, so a lot of fun. My guys love it. Everybody enjoys it. It's a good time.
0: I got to tell you something special that happened to me. I didn't know this was going to happen. So I get to the track, and I find Blaney's guys because he had the Penzoil car. And I put on my Penzoil hat, and I said, i got to go get my picture with Blaney by the Penzoil car. And I get there, and right next to the Penzoil car, which was mine from the 90s, was Daryl's Western Auto car. Oh, sure. And it was Denny, and they started side by each. And listen to this. In 1992, on Saturday— I won the Bush race mm-hmm. and Daryl won the cup race. He won the Southern 500 on Sunday. Oh, wow. We, he was in the Western auto car. I was in the Penzo car and I'm like, wow, that's kind of that, neat. That's us right there. So, so getting <laughs> that's that picture, really good. that's an example of what you were just talking yeah. about. You get, tra- you know, you transcend back to the days and you say, wow, I remember that guy. I remember that car. Absolutely. It's, it's fun. And,
1: much like you, Michael, I love what it is that we do. I love our sport. I love the history. I love the heritage and the, the, the purity of what it is that we do. Not, you know, all the Twitter and all that kind of stuff, and I'm making fun of it right now, um, is there, and it's a, a big part of what we do. But man, the, the purist, when he shows up at Darlington, like, you feel it. And yeah. that's, that's great. I love Well, it.
0: and what about the Wood Brothers? Do they have the best uniforms? <laughs> oh I saw God. them pushing that card White car pants, white shoes. Yeah. The whole thing is fantastic. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, uh, Darlington was a great celebration. I know you raced till 2 in the morning. and. Oof. Set on the pole. I mean, yeah. how proud are you, are you of William for, like, I mean, kids Kids don't really show up all that often yeah. and get it. I've told everybody I'm really blessed because I get to do the trucks, and I see them show up. Mm-hmm. And when William showed up, about three races in, I'm like, all right, this guy's going to cup, and he's going to be <laughs> a winner. Same with Eric Jones. Yeah. Uh, you know, same with Christopher Bell. We, we see these kids when they're teenagers. Cole yeah. Custer, another great example. Yeah. When When you just tell, I mean. Some of them get there eventually, but these kids had it from the beginning, and I just wondered what the progression would be like. and And when he landed in Cup with you, uh, I know there's been some ups and downs. You had to yell at him a couple times, and that that happens. But but winning the pole for the Southern 500, that's that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. We've uh we've we've had a lot of success. I think uh, getting established in the first ten races was difficult. Obviously, he needed to learn me, and I needed to learn him. Uh, we needed to get our team up to speed. But the last. You know, 10 races or so have been, look, we're not winning yet. I know. I completely understand that. But you know, it takes time. You know, I, I think it's very difficult for a young driver to come into our sport in today's age with the restrictions that we have and to get better. You know, when we've raced with Jimmy, we won, I think, in our 14th race mm-hmm. or something like that. We had tested 10 times prior to that. Uh-huh. You know, William can't test. Yeah. Like, you just can't. There's no. There's no way to go to darlington there's no way to go to richmond there's no way to go and improve until you show up there on friday and you get 50 minutes good luck like you know that's it that's all you got you yeah. know so the the guy is going to these racetracks and these types of cars battling with uh, legitimate uh, championship contenders weekly right now with only having three races in a cup car at a lot of these racetracks uh, i gives i have a lot of respect for him from that standpoint
0: he's good me too i, I love his family and how they did it you know yeah. he was a he was a little kid that I never will forget my daughter Macy called me one day and she said, Dad, there's a kid in my class here at Country Day that he's gonna race NASCAR. Is he any good? I'm like, Well, honey, I don't know, but seems kind of weird. I'll keep my eye out for him. Well, I'll be damned. He's William Byron now. Yeah. And what a what a great story that is.
1: Again, his his uh, at that point, how old is Macy at that point? Probably 15, sixteen? Sixteen. Sixteen, right? Yeah, so was he. Yeah, he hadn't even driven yet. Yeah. Not a race car at all. Right. Anything, you know? So uh, people seem to forget how long it takes to get the experience to run competitive in this sport. Joey Logano, I think, is a great example. Mm -hmm. You know, comes in and he's got all the attention, sliced bread, the whole thing. And, you know, he got fired. No, he got fired from Gibbs. You right. know? And Penske's like, "I'll take him." Yeah, you know, right. So it takes time for these guys to get the laps, get an environment, build a team around them, and and that's what we're doing with William. We're building this twenty four team around him to give him the security that he needs to to feel comfortable knowing that we're there for him to go out there and learn how to drive him and
0: win these races. So I'm I'm a big race fan, and I'm a, I also know a lot, so I watch it and I have all these opinions. Tell me what separated you from winning that race a Sunday night in Darlington. Like was, was there one moment where you said if that hadn't happened, we were, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately we did. And I don't want to, I don't, I don't like to um, call out people or anything like that, but we had, we had a, a problem on Pitt road and uh, we lost a bunch of spots and that put us back in traffic and that kind of set us up for that situation. So it's unfortunate, right? Uh, otherwise I feel like we were going to run top three. And if we'd been up front, I don't think anybody could have passed us. So, um, so that's disappointing, but, but, That happens, and this, as much as people try to say, so and so won the race. Jimmy Johnson won the race or Eric Jones won the race. No, that's not how it is, man. That team won the race. The mm-hmm. the 20 car team won the race, you know. Very rarely do you hear of a football team saying so and so quarterback won the game. No, the Redskins won the game or no, the Cowboys or the Panthers, they won the game, right? They don't necessarily say Cam Newton won the game or what have you. They were a part of it. Right. And I feel that that's the way that we that's the way that we build our teams at HMS. It's it's not it's not just the driver because if you put all the focal point on the driver, one, it's too much pressure for one guy to handle, and then it, do, it mutes the value of what everybody else does. So uh, we're building this team to grow together, and our pickers is getting better, and our road crew is getting better, and our engineering staff is getting better, as is
0: William. And, and the team is getting better. Strong. We, we've certainly seen that. But let me answer a question for people that don't know. You say we got back in traffic. It, it ruined our night. Yeah. Kyle Busch started last, yep. and he was up there contending Sure, the great. How, how, how do those uh, differ?
1: Look, let's just be frank. Kyle's Kyle. Yeah, you know, I know people say that, but it's just true. Kyle's—he's pretty damn good. Yeah, and he does a really good job. He's aggressive. He's got no fear right now. He doesn't need to be fearful of anything other than going out to getting getting wins. Right, um, that happens when you're in a situation to where you're comfortable in your your playoff position and standings. You know, he's going to transfer no problem, um, so he can put it up there on the wall, bounce it off the wall, and if he gets a flat tire, who cares? You know, so, so that's that's, but. He's also – he and his team have done a good job of giving him cars that are are just a tick above, just a tick above everybody else, and then you put that ingredient of Kyle in there, and it's pretty awesome. So
0: I got all this list of questions, and it starts back in Rockford, Illinois, uh-huh. but I got that all screwed up. But let me just ask you one thing real fast. Explain to me – why the Gibbs cars qualify kind of crappy and they start out okay and they're dominant at the end yeah is, is that something that your engineering staff I mean yeah, is that is, am, I, am I just that guy that wonders that or do y'all wonder it as well no we wonder too
1: <laughs> so no they do you're exactly right uh, William and I spoke about it today actually at length and uh, they do you know at these tracks they put a lot of downforce in their car um, the Fords typically trim their cars out a little bit more uh, we usually float Kind of little in the middle there somewhere, and yeah. we kind of race kind of in the middle there somewhere. You know, if it's a track where it's really fast, you'll see those Fords up front, and maybe the Toyotas can't quite get there sometimes. Um, if it's a track where you need a lot of downforce, you'll see the Toyotas up there, and the Fords might be back just a little bit, yeah. and we 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 kind of float right there in that middle range. We wow. just haven't quite gotten gotten the whole package figured out yet
0: you know what's great about that i talked to a ford guy or two and they said if it rains it'll help us we need the downforce yeah we need it to be cooler and yeah. that's i mean i guess it's common knowledge like where the cars land or where yeah. they lie how do you change that as you race uh, into the playoffs
1: it's really difficult because it's kind of built inherently into your race car yeah you know the toyota is structured to be as such, and the Ford is structured to be as it is, and the Chevrolet is what it is. And it's kind of hard to get those genes out of the car once they're kind of baked into it, you know?
0: Yeah, well, that's difficult. But it it'll is. be fun to see with the differing tracks how yeah. the differing manufacturers are able to up their game. I, I agree 100%. Like, if you
1: look at uh, Chase Elliott at Watkins Glen, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, in a Chevrolet and did exactly what he needed to do, which is a high downforce track, right. but was able to get the mechanical aptitude out of it. So I, I feel that in the playoffs this year, um, with the way the, sc- the the tracks are laid out, you're going to see maybe a little bit more of a, a mixture of who's winning and when.
0: Well, I really want to tap into to to nineteen the '90s, the '80s. Your dad winning championships <laughs> at Rockford. If you don't, if you will humor me on that, absolutely. But before we go down that road, uh, CJ is our social media guy here at uh-huh. Fox Sports. How do I sound? I sound like a DJ. I thought we were going I? into commercial break the way you were leading <laughs> yes, into that. Yes, we'll be right back. Thanks for <laughs> en- enjoy you at Monster Energy while you uh, break. Uh, CJ is our social media guru, and he collects uh, questions from Reddit. Yep. I know you're familiar with Reddit. Oh, I do it all the time. Yeah, and I, I know your Twitter. I mean, I know you got a burner account somewhere. but so I
1: don't. I really don't. <laughs> I set one up when I was a little buzzed one night, and I never remember the password to get back into it. <laughs> well, that's,
0: I'm good with that. That's cool. But CJ's got some questions, and we'd love for you to answer a couple. And, and please, uh, we talked, uh, CJ, how chronologically I was going to interview Chad. I've screwed that all up like i haven't got on this at all can i throw this out real quick is this
1: is this time sensitive is this real time we're talking about this because michael asked me to be on the show and he's like i'm going to
0: send you the questions
1: yeah he sent them to me in the middle of hub thinking that i'm going to have a time to look (laughs) at the questions (laughs) well there's commercial breaks man
0: (laughs) well i'll tell you why i even was smart enough to do that jeff gordon is going to be my guest next week and john said john edwards said hey could you tell me some of the questions you're going to ask jeff and i'm like yeah, sure. <laughs> so I make this list of these cool questions, and I send them to John for Jeff. And John said, perfect. And then as I was driving here today, I thought, you know, I really didn't tell Chad how this thing goes. And I want to be professional because I have this voice. That you I do. It's a good voice. And um, so I sent those to you. And so I appreciate it.
1: Have you had a chance to I looked at it real quick during commercial break.
0: Right. And did I mention that CJ is going to ask you a He's question?
1: He's going to ask me something from Reddit. Please
0: try to keep it, you know, before all this stuff I haven't talked about yet. Yeah, you know what I mean? Think,
2: I think I can cover okay. that. And uh, just just so everyone knows, thank you so much for uh, submitting questions on Twitter and Reddit. And I think the first one that we can get to that kind of goes in the chronological order is a question from Reddit from Quietly Fly, and they would like to know. Could you talk a little bit about what it was like getting your start as a crew chief with Stacey Compton in 2001? Oh, man. That man. is a perfect question because then I can transition back. I know what I'm doing here. I've done this a few times, Mike. CJ, he is so <laughs> awesome. What was it like, uh, whatever
0: Fly Man said?
2: <laughs> they're quietly fly. <laughs> yeah, they're quietly fly. <laughs>
1: it, was, uh, it was really exciting. So I was actually working for Evernham when he acquired um, – bill elliot racing when he was doing the dodge development program and we did a ton of testing with different drivers at different venues with kentucky and nashville you remember how we used to go to kentucky oh, and nashville all yeah. the time and just grind out miles right? did
0: you ever drive at kentucky
1: i didn't no no never got around that place would have liked to have yeah but, but no because there's
0: some s- stories about a couple of crew chiefs that drove oh i've you. driven to tracks i shouldn't have i can tell you that did but, you oh yeah but
1: nonetheless we'll we'll, we'll we'll transition away from that one right now um <laughs> so stacy was one of our test drivers um logging labs at one of those tracks. I don't remember what it was. And we kind of hit it off. And uh, Melling needed a crew chief. And I had been working with Everham for a long time. And the development team was kind of disbanding. And he was absorbing uh, Elliott Motorsports at that time, or Elliott Racing at that time. So I took it. I took the opportunity to go over there and work with those guys. And it was great. We we sat on the front row for the Daytona 500 and almost uh Everham's car, which would have been really cool if we could pull that off. Was that 01? It was 01. Yeah. And then uh, we went to Talladega and sat on the pole at uh, the first Talladega, and then we went back and we sat on the pole for the second Talladega race. So both both
0: Talladega poles and the front row at Daytona that year. And a, a, I know that that uh, personally, a crew chief gets a little bit more credit for a pole at Daytona. Because oh, yeah. I mean, you you've given Stacy a car and you said, okay, don't screw this up. <laughs> Go uh, shift your gears three times and drive <laughs> around the bottom. And and I I think we've got this.
1: Yeah, it was really fun. And uh, shoot, I think the the second race we qualified six we used to run two laps in qualifying because everybody doesn't know that and you'd have these real tall gears so it took two laps to get them wound up and we were sixth fastest on our first lap mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were on
0: the pole by like four and a half tenths and yeah. i was like oh boy that's pretty fast so i look at you as chad canals the the guy on the box with the hat and the, the ear pl- bones and nice shirt you know that's who i see sure. when i think that's not how it that's not how it all started like no. you had to, you had to learn your, you had to learn your skills at a young age, and you learned them at one of the coolest short tracks in yeah. America, Rockford, up in Illinois. Drive, okay. uh, crew chief, and for your dad, yeah. uh, tell me about that. How, how old were you when you first remembered saying, "I'm going to be a crew chief" or "I'm going to be <laughs> a driver"? Or, what, what are your early memories of, of those times?
1: Man, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. We raced all around the Midwest. Rockford was our home track, and I think that we won. I think I won five championships up there with my dad, maybe four, four or five championships with my father. Um, but we kind of chased the NASCAR Northern Series mm-hmm. and up there, ran a lot of late-mile tracks, Elko, Minnesota, Shakopee, Minnesota, um, Hawkeye Downs, and Cedar Rapids, uh, a lot of different racetracks. And it was a lot of fun. Um, small team, right? Dad was the driver. Um, couldn't really pay anybody, so I was like the guy, and I, I was in charge I of had... basically all the maintenance on the cars, building the cars um how'd your dad make you do that most kids are playing baseball man that's all i wanted i was i grew up around you, it that's the way it started it. and i just it. i
0: think that's so interesting you you know your dad was a yeah. driver
1: and you're his crew chief i i i loved it i i always looked up to my father because he was a cool race car driver guy right so i just wanted to help make him successful and uh everything i could do man i, I worked on the cars day in day out there's a hundred million stories i could tell you about weird situation. Tell, tell me
0: one story when when was the first time when your dad looked at you and and said you're you're right son? Like when when did he <laughs> when did he look at you and say well well damn. You're think, actually you're doing pretty good or think when more did you times get his respect? Than naughty,
1: more times than naughty told me I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I would say when I got to my middle teen years, you know, 14, 15, 16 in that range when we were going from tracked we were hitting a lot of tracks at that point. Um, racing two and three times a week. And, you know, I had my notes, and I had my setups, and I had what it is I thought we needed to do for springs and shocks and uh, different geometries and all of that. And at that point, that's when he really started to get a little bit more hands-off and just say, okay, you you got this. You're 14! Well, I was more like a 15, 16, you know, was when it really got serious. And it, it's just true, man. It was just – but I loved it. That yeah. was what I did. It's all I did, Michael. That was it. I how just worked on those cars.
0: You, how did you learn about geometry and – and and all the intricacies so, of a of a chassis. Man,
1: I'll tell you, um, I read a lot of books. Um, I did. I I took drafting in high school. You know, that was before you really had you know CAD drawings and all that. I drew with a pencil and a T square, and we drew out roll centers and we would try stuff and go out there and make make laps. Was that better? No. Okay. Okay. Let's try this and see if that works. And started to put the pieces together. My dad actually went to. Um, do you remember Duke Southard? Yes. Okay.
0: He, he had w- a school.
1: He did. My dad went to one of his schools in Florida. And do you remember those old cassette recorders, those big block ones? Oh, yeah. You put the cassette tape in there and you go click, click you know, and you, you record. So he recorded the whole class. And we would go, and I'm telling you, I would start this probably when I was like 11. And I would be in the back of the transporter, uh, which was a bread truck, by the way, going to the racetrack. And I was listening to him speak about what the geometries were how to set the rake of the chassis tire pressures whatever was cast your camera the whole thing while going through the book at the exact same time and exactly what my dad did
0: um and i just loved it man i loved it so just think about this all the all the nascar fans that are listening or or um watching us they probably have the same perception that i have of Chad Knauss in his nice shirt on the box, <laughs> man. How far? How far off is perception from no reality,
1: idea. man? You have no idea how I, I slept on people on friend's sofas. Do you remember Butch Hilton, Yeah. Chief? Okay, I slept on his sofa yeah. when we were working for Stanley Smith. I, I, I number forty nine. Yeah, exactly. Um, I. Slept in the 15-passenger van owned by Hendrick Motorsports when I didn't have an apartment. I'd, you know, I still had my first paycheck when I worked for Stanley Smith. $287 for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's pretty good money back then. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we ground it out for a long, long time. And then even when I got to Hendrick Motorsports, excuse me, HMS in 93, I mean, it wasn't all roses at that point. It was a lot of hard work. And um, I was very, I mean, I've been so fortunate.
0: I've had so many good people help me along the way. I'm I'm gonna get back to my list, but I, I had a guest here a couple weeks ago, Steve Latart. Oh gosh! And I want to know with your story and your background, what was it like? What do you remember about him showing up? Like, Man,
1: I can remember that kid. That's showed crazy, up right? Driving like a little silver Toyota Corolla, I think, and you know, <laughs> glasses and just string being tall, and you know, squeaky voice, and we got him running parts, and he was just as snarky, smart asked then as he is now you know so he hasn't changed a whole lot from that standpoint but a good kid um i watched him grow up he's a talker you know he'll talk and he talked then and he he's just a really good dude i think he's great for for sport and what he does with mbc um
0: he's gosh when did you first say well i he's talks a lot and he's got a lot of shit going on (laughs) well he's actually pretty good at what he like when did you start to see that in him i didn't oh yeah i'm still
1: waiting for it to show up
0: okay well maybe it hasn't happened yeah he's a
1: late bloomer (laughs) 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 no um when i got back so i when i left hendrick motorsports in uh 1997 that's when steve was really just starting to get a little bit older and doing things at the track um so he had that that period there from 98 to 2002, to kind of get to the track and get his footing. And when I got back and he was car chief for Robbie Loomis, I was like, man, he's doing a really good job. Yeah. I'm pretty surprised. So it was a natural progression to put him in that seat when when Robbie left. And I thought it was a great fit.
0: It's a great story. Yeah, I love he hearing good... him tell. But I'll tell you this if you think he's a talker, you ought to golf with him. Because <laughs> here's what happens first tee, you know, you get in the car and I'm driving. And I saw where his ball went, and I know where mine went. He's like, go down there and get my ball. Mine's over there. Yours is over that way. I'm like, all right, it's the first hole. I don't need this help. Like, I can find your ball, and I can find my ball. You're going to have to calm down a little bit. That, so, his, his
1: LaTard's office and my office were right next to one another. <laughs> and when Robbie, was, Robbie Loomis was in that office, who was, you know, the King's old crew chief, and then with crew chief for Jeff won a championship, um, it was quiet. You know, I had my office, yeah. and I could do my notes and look at my data and do all that kind of stuff and get things done. Boom, you put LaTarte in there. All it was was talk, 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 talk. So I had to have them, And you know, these tiles that you got in your ceiling? Mm-hmm. I had to have the maintenance guys come in, rip the tiles up, put foam insulation in between my wall and his wall, and foam my whole ceiling just so I could mute
0: Stevie. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so whoever got your office, uh, or whenever he left, that they got a good office. it's yes, nice and quiet. Yeah. Soundproof. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're at, you're you're at, um you're at. At um, Stacy Compton yep. for, and then you you worked at DEI also. I know that was. That's probably, when I left HMS uh, in ninety seven. Went to DEI that year. What, what? Tell me about that because Dale was just starting to build that team, and yep. Steve was your driver. He um, was Steve and, Park, and Dale uh, he got hurt, and Daryl came to drive. And then your brother came. Well, save us me, all. <laughs> tell me about all that. <laughs>
1: It was, uh, man, that was tough. So, obviously, we used to call that the Garage Mahal, you know, when he was building that thing. It was far sight bigger and better than anything that had really come to the sport yet. And was a lot of fun watching that building show up and grow up, um, working with uh, Felipe Lopez and Steve Park and all the guys on that team. Ty Norris um, was on there. Um, it was a lot of hard work. It wasn't real gravy. It wasn't easy by any means. I mean, we were working on race cars as they were building that big, uh, big shop in the um, the deer head shop that Dale had up there. We had all his deer heads yeah. up on the wall. You know that spot. Yeah. And what, what was most fun, you know, that that thing went south, right? Um, but what was most fun for me was when Dale would show up. Yeah. And we'd be in there grinding it out, eight thirty, nine o'clock Saturdays during the off season, right? And he's like, you guys are just crazy. And one of my favorite stories about Dale was he came in with a bucket, two buckets, excuse me, of (laughs) Kentucky Fried Chicken. Or chicken wings, you know, little drum sticks. And he had two bottles of Tabasco. And he just took the bottles of Tabasco, took the lids off, and just went like that. And he put the lid back on, and he just shakes them up like that. And he's like... Come on, boys, let's have some wings, you know. Yeah. And that's that's I, that that one always sticks with me for whatever reason. I was just like, man, this dude's just a real guy, yeah. You know, so it
0: was super cool. But, I, br- uh, I brought my family over there one day, my sister and brother-in-law and her kids, and he he was going to give us a tour. And you know, Dale as well as I do, it's like here, here's the, we're, we're going to build the engines over here. here's our chassis going on. We got the we got the chickens out there, and the, <laughs> all right. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed. I'm done with you people. That's what he said <laughs> to my family. <laughs> I'm done with you people. I got something else to do. They're like, all right, thank you, sir. We, uh,
1: we 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 transitioned from the deer head shop down to where he had his chicken farm. And I don't know how many people have ever actually been to a chicken farm, but they stink. Yes. And they draw a lot of flies. Right. And so we're working on the number one Pennzoil car in a garage right next to a chicken farm. It was it was just putrid smelling. It was awful. But we had, we had a lot of good stuff going on right there. I remember Tony Urie Jr. or Sr. wanted to kill me one time down there because I welded on a surface plate. He, he really wanted to just go ahead and finish me right then and there. Um, so a lot of fun stuff happened when I was over there at DEI. Some good friendships that are still here today. Yeah. Um, and a lot of hard work, you know, which once again I think showed going there, I think, and, and struggling a little bit after being with a 24 car and really whipping a lot of butt. And having everything yeah, you and, needed already. Yeah, really humbled me a little right. bit and, and got me prepared for when I went to work with Everham and, and helped him start up that Dodge deal.
0: You know, and and... I, I know you know, but I'm releasing next week, premiering a, a documentary about my story of showing up mm-hmm. and, and racing for Dale. And when I got there, I I, I was Dale's buddy. We went fishing and, and rode around that farm and shot guns yeah. and drank beer and did everything you'd want to do as uh, with, with your buddy. And by the time that I went to drive there in in 2001 – they had gotten their legs under them. Yeah. You know, Dale Jr had won as a rookie and the cars were good. And what I love the, what Dale Jr said in the documentary because I know this is going to surprise you but 7 18 years later after everything that happened in 2001 I'd really never sat down and talked to Dale Jr about oh, wow. any of that stuff cuz I just it hurt, you know, and we just, just tried to stay away from it. Yeah. <laughs> and he he says in the documentary he's like, "And I know a lot of people wondered this." He says um, you know, we were building the best team in NASCAR. We're going to have the greatest team in NASCAR, and and Dad hires Michael. <laughs> he said, "I didn't understand that at first. and he said, "But you know, Dale says, but you know, Dad, Dad had raced with Michael. He'd seen him on the track, he knew. and he knew that he yeah. could win. Yeah. And you know, I went and did Dale Junior's download, and just getting to to talk like we are, it 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 just meant the world to me to yeah. be able to share stories with buddies. You know, yeah.
1: Well, I, I think you bring up some really neat things when you sit down and you talk to people, Michael, because we don't do enough of that in life in general. Um, everything's animated. Everything's on the phone. Everything's, you know, in short spurts and face-to-face conversations and having a, a dialogue about painful life experiences or, or joyous life experiences. I think it's stuff that you have to do. You have to be able to reflect and and that's how you either, you know, you, you embrace things better or you can kind of release the demons and, you know, sitting there with, dale jr i can only imagine the the emotions that ran through you because he was look yeah he'd won a race and yeah he was a cup guy but he was still a kid yes you know he was still a young i should say kid he was a young man but a very he wasn't as mature as what he is now of course so uh, i mean I applaud you for doing that that's a painful experience man and that that movie i just watched the trailer can i talk about the movie yeah okay so i just watched the trailer man and i I told Ford to turn it off because I don't want to ruin it, man. It looks fantastic. And, man, I'm going to have – the emotions are going to fly for me too. Yeah. You know, uh, Dale was such a great dude. I, You you made me remember one story He when he was um, trying to get me to leave Hendrick Motorsports to come to DEI. How,
0: well, first of all, how cool was that? Dale oh, <laughs> Earnhardt wanted you to come over. Yeah.
1: Hey, I'm going to come pick you up in my truck. He picked me up in my townhouse. We drove up to the farm. Mm-hmm. And I know you know the spot. Um, he, he, we drove back in there and we get to this pond and he walks out on the deck of this pond and he's got his cowboy boots on and his blue jeans and he starts jumping up and down on the pond on this, this dock. And you would have thought the water was boiling. Well, yes. Damn catfish come up, and they're looking for food. And he scoops his uh, his little scooper in this big fifty five gallon drum and throws his dog food out there. You'd have thought they were piranhas. Yes. I mean, the, just the coolest thing, you know. So I I remember
0: that, that he had you neat. right, like you were the in right there. Like, this dude's got it all. He controls the fish, man. <laughs> I mean, you can control fish. You're a pretty cool cat. We would we would get in his truck <laughs> and go ride around. He'd say, "I'm gonna build a fence right there, about ten foot fence. We're gonna put the deer in here. We're gonna put, build a pond right here and catfish. I look at the balls on that deer, you know." <laughs> It just was constant, like constant information overload. I remember
1: I pulled into work one morning and it was, I used to get to work early. It was, you know, gosh, six o'clock in the morning, probably well before anybody else got there. And we had, we were one of the first teams to have an electronic code on the gate. I punch the code in, you know, opens up and I roll through and I look to the left and there's Dale sitting there on a Clydesdale. And I'm like, what in the world? It's <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. Are you on this big old horse for? And he just got it from Anheuser Busch or something like that. And he was sitting there and he greeted everybody coming in the gate because he wanted everybody to see that I got a Clydesdale.
0: Wow, it was the funniest thing. Now, Just think how cool if you got been if we had had camera phones back. Right, could have took a picture of Dale on his. <laughs> hey, buddy, good to see you <laughs> up Can I there. A with that. <laughs> so, uh, leaving there and moving on, what what was that like?
1: That was tough. That was tough. That you know. I just didn't fit in that environment. I I was from the Midwest. Um, I'd, I'd worked with Everham. You know, I was from Jersey. Um, we're a bunch of jerks, you know, like Midwest people, you know, we yeah. we, we use the F word a lot and right. we, you know, we're real fast moving. And it was just a different environment at DEI that I just wasn't comfortable and it wasn't comfortable for those guys. So we had to, we had to make a change. And, and I left for those reasons and those reasons only, you know, that it was just not the right fit. And in order to be successful, just like what we spoke about, Michael, you have to have a legit team. That 100% buys into each other, and we just didn't. We just didn't quite get that, and so it was amicable. We were like, "Hey, okay, man, it's over. We just, ain't, we, it's not working, right?" So, so
0: I, I left. And then um, the the 2002 <clears throat> season. What what was what was the off season like? How how did they? Jimmy Johnson was an average bush racer. Yeah, I was actually a pretty good bush racer, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> he was an average <laughs> bush racer at best. How did this all happen? I'll tell you, it's, it's kind of
1: interesting. So we were in Homestead, and so there were, we knew that Jimmy was driving that car and things were happening. And do you remember Jay Guy, mm-hmm. the old crew chief? So he was a good buddy of mine, and we're sitting on Pit Road. Um, he was in Xfinity was he at that point. Was
0: he with MB2 at some He point?
1: was, but he was on some Xfinity team at this huh. point, and I was with Stacy Compton still in 2001. And final race of the year, and Jay and I are just sitting there chatting it up, and Jimmy walks by, and... Jay's got you know, Jay's, Jay's friends about everybody, right? And Jay's like, hey, come here, come here, Jimmy, come here. And he's like, Jimmy, I want you to meet Chad. Chad, I want you to meet Jimmy. And I'm like, okay, hey, no idea who this guy Never is. Never met him. Never met him. Never seen him in my life. Didn't even know his name, right? November. Right. No, we're talking November of, yes, of that's, 2001. I'm trying to get my arms around that. Yeah, this. and, and uh, Jay says, Jimmy, this is the guy you need to be your crew chief right here. And Jimmy's like, yeah, okay, all right, man. Yeah, hey, nice to meet you. you know? Did he
0: already have the seat? Like, he had the when, seat,
1: but he didn't have a crew chief, right? Wow. So And he's getting ready to go walk out to, or going to qualify right then. So, oddly enough, uh, Brian Weitzel reached out to me um, the next week, and and Brian had worked with me when I was there on the twenty four car, and he says, "Hey, I think we want to get down and and have a chat with you." And I had ran into Randy Dorton about three weeks prior to that, and Randy was a big proponent of of getting me in there. So we all kind of got together and just had a chat, and. Jimmy, so how it happened? We went to this little restaurant, university place. It was Jimmy, myself, Robbie Loomis, Ken House, uh, Brian Weitzel, and I think <clears throat> I think Randy may have been there. And Jimmy and I sat down right next to one another, and we just started chatting, and just clicked, boom, just clicked right then and there. And we talked for probably thirty minutes, thirty forty five minutes while we were having lunch and really we were kind of oblivious to what everybody else was doing. And we were just chatting about him racing in Wisconsin. I was born, you know, close to Wisconsin. Um, I'm a big motorcycle guy. He raced motorcycles. So we just had this common thread. Um, and then the next day, uh, we were leaving. I was like, Hey man, what are you doing tomorrow? Um, he was like, ah, oh, nothing. Or maybe he said, it. I don't remember how it went on, but we decided to go golfing the next day. So we go over to this golf course over here by Charlotte motor speedway. And I don't golf. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm terrible at golf. Um, and he's he, terrible on golf carts. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he's, he broke his arm, for those of you that don't know, on a golf cart. Um, he shows up, and we go to the driving range. I got there like an hour earlier. I'm like, I got to warm up, man. I got to make sure I can do this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, there's, you're going everywhere. There's balls everywhere. There's people ducking. It's just embarrassing. Jimmy shows up, and he starts to hit a few. And he's like, Man want to get a beer? <laughs> I was like, all right, let's do that. So we got a six pack of beer, we played 9 holes and then we decided we want to work together at that point. How about
0: that? Was that something? And and you're you're a smart guy. Sometimes. And you, you are perceptive. <laughs> you could have never imagined what was going to happen. No. I mean, no, no one could have.
1: Mm-mm.
0: No, there's no way. When was your first when was your first clue that <clears throat> like there was there just wasn't anything to base winning all the races y'all did and championed there was anything to base it on when's the first time that you said all right we got we got something special here
1: you know michael i don't know that i can identify it to be honest with you but i knew pretty quick that we were now remember i'm i'm a just turned 30 i think at that point i'm pretty confident
0: right you're full of yourself
1: yeah i mean i know that i'm building the best race cars out there and that's just me. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm telling myself, right? At that age, with my experience, I'm like, I can build you the best cars out there, right? If I just went out there and qualified really well with Stacey Compton at all these racetracks, with everything we got at Hendrick Motorsports, we're going to do well. And Jimmy and I, we, we dug into one another and said, look, this is this is our opportunity. Otherwise, we're going to be working on 30 cars or whatever cars for the rest of our lives, running in the back and just hoping that we make a living. And we, we dug in deep, man. And we worked really, really hard. Um, we went to the racetrack the first five or six races. I think, it was, yeah, the first six races, if we had not tested at that respective track, we went exactly like the 24 car. Mm-hmm. And and I say exactly. I'm saying this is the 20. There were actually some of Jeff's old cars. Um and we said, we're going to start just like him, because if you don't have the experience that we need at that track, we have to have somebody to lean on. And at a few of those tracks, man, we were faster than Jeff Gordon in those cars. And I was like, hmm, this might not go too bad. Yeah. you know. And then we were very fortunate to win that race early on in our, our rookie season and followed it up with a couple more wins and you know, obviously battled for the championship that year and every year from there on out. So, um, man, I, I still can't believe it. I don't even remember it half the time until I see Jimmy. And then those emotions show back up. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. when I was living it and going through all of that, it was a blur, Michael. I, I get embarrassed. People are like, you know, man, do you remember this race in so-and-so when you guys did this or that? No. You know, I really don't. And I never took an opportunity to really cherish the good things that we did um, for our sport. Um, so, this, so that hurts me a little bit. But when I see Jimmy, like, this weekend, he showed up and he was shaved, right? I'm like, dude, that
0: I remember, like x things, you know. Yeah. So it's just kind of fun. Phil Parsons went up to Jimmy at Darlington and he said, "Do you look just like you did in 2002 right. when you showed up? It was pretty crazy, yeah. but it has got to make you just want to like hug him and say, you know, Oh, we do. Pretty cool. What yeah, we, man, I love him.
1: Um my my son Kipling, he turned 1 last week. Um we had a party for him and Jimmy and Shani and uh Evie and uh, Lydia came and you know, they're just obsessed with Kipling and want to hold him and yeah. All that, and he, you know, loves up on him gives him hugs, and it's it's great. I walked down Pitt Road with uh, Jimmy and Lydia in Darlington, and I was holding uh, Lydia's hand as we're walking down. So I mean, we're look, we we had our turmoil, we had our problems, you know. It was just it, we just timed out, but I love that guy like
0: a brother, and I always will. Yeah, I love him too because you won't find a, a more humble, gracious yeah. champion. Yeah, he's just great, a, just a good guy. Yeah, you named your kid Kipling Wolfgang. Kipling Wolfgang. Very good. You did some homework on that one. I'm I'm into this podcast. I I really think this might be my calling. I don't (laughs) know. How did you come up with Kipling Wolfgang?
1: Well, um, so long story, we had a couple of names picked out. Wolfgang was always on the list. He was almost named Wolfgang. Yeah. I really like that name. And it's such a polarizing name. People are like, no, 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 don't do it. Or people are like, man, that's really cool, you know? So we decided against it but we wanted to try to get it into the mix so maybe like our grandkids or somebody like that can can use it because i like it so much (laughs) um but kipling came about because of the poem by rudyard kipling if if and i encourage all of you whoever's listening watching to go read this poem it's one of the most amazing amazing poems out there and it really embodies in my mind what it takes to be a man and uh we were in the, the room that night, and the first couple names that we had picked just ended up not working. And you know how that is when you're just giving birth and you're a little delirious. You're like, no, that won't work anymore, <laughs> right? So um, we wanted, we like the alliteration with uh, Kipling Canouse or Kip Canouse, um, kind of goes well together. And uh, so Kipling is what it was. So, he, so he, he wrote the poem If. He's got another little, little poem of um, The Strength of the Wolf is the Pack, and The Strength of the Pack is the Wolf. So it really fits the Wolfgang thing. Mm-hmm. So it just
0: there's a lot of things that just kind of work together, and that's that's how we got it. We we were a pack. I was a pack of one, and now I feel like I'm a, a pack of three. Like, it's just not me. Yeah. I'm I'm a part of the pack. You're part of a team. Yes, I am. You like that? It's awesome. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's pause and have Take another. a station, <laughs> it, station <laughs> yes. identification for 20 seconds. Please, um, we'll be right back. We're gonna. We're going to
2: shed a tear here, or two, and then uh, get another question from Read It or Twitter. So the next question we have from Reddit is from Chad. And Chad would like to know, how redeeming was it for you to be on the box for Jimmy's 2013 Daytona 500 after missing the first one in 2006?
0: Ooh, that's a great question because um, you, you got suspended for some window thingamajig. I know there's a story behind that that you can probably share better than I can, but I remember how important the Daytona 500 was to me, yeah. and thinking for those years, like, Chad's got to be pissed. <laughs> he didn't win that race. I'm going to tell you, Michael. Because you built the car. And- I did.
1: I did, and uh, it was a little different back then, Michael. You remember if you got suspended as a crew chief, you weren't allowed around, and you know now they're in the motorhomes and the, the manufacturer's trailers or whatever. They're around. Because NASCAR realized they couldn't keep the crew chiefs from being involved. So I basically worked with Greg Ives and Darian Grubb, and we we set up the car via chat online, um, listened to the radio and what Jimmy had going on and watched it on TV. And it was uh, was watching that race unfold and, and help guide those guys through that was probably one of my happiest moments. Rewarding. Yep. Because in my absence... That team that that we had worked so hard on was was able to step up to the plate and work efficiently and execute a very very good race and go out and win the Daytona 500. So that was one of my proudest moments. It still is one of my proudest moments. And
0: um, just because you weren't the official crew chief, it doesn't it doesn't take the the, no. the special man no not feeling of that that win that day. No,
1: that was a big deal for me. That was a really really big deal. That because Michael, you know me and. Especially back then, I was very, very regimented, very regimented. And I was very specific about everybody's duties and how they carried them out. And people didn't like that. You know, some people just went away and couldn't work in that environment. Some people flourish in that environment. And we had a group of people that really flourished in that environment. And when you pulled me away from that and they continued to execute the way they needed to, I was just like,
0: this is.
1: This is what I dreamed of. This is exactly what's supposed to happen. Yeah. The strength of this team will not be diminished by the loss of one person, and that's exactly how we set it up, and it worked flawlessly. It's just shocking that it came from the very tip top of it. you know, nobody really expected me to be gone, but but well, we went back in uh, thirteen in uh, one. That was really pretty cool. That was a lot of fun. We had a great time. We did the the Harlem Shake afterwards, uh, which was a pretty cool little thing out there in the front uh, front football field area. Yeah, um, was was really great. So that was a fun one.
0: The 2013 500 had to had to remind you a lot of 06. I mean, so you, you said that's one of your special mem- yeah. memories and winning again. Yeah, shine light on that as well.
1: It was great. You know, we uh, we were able to. Uh, I'm trying to remember the whole race and how it all unfolded. I I remember we had a very, very good handling car. Mm-hmm. And back then, you really had to handle the day. I remember the yeah. bumps and all right. that stuff was going on. Um, and we were – gosh, I don't remember the details, Michael. And again, this is where I get embarrassed that I don't really remember a lot of well, those things. When you things. get
0: old, you can sit at home and watch DVDs of them.
1: So well, here's what I've done. This is an interesting thing that I haven't told a lot of people. I've taken – and, you know, we get a lot of video clips and magazines and – Letters from fans and memorabilia and things, and they kind of collect in your office, right? I'm sure you have the same issue. Um, so what I do at the end of every year is I take everything out of my office and I put it in a box and I label it for the year. So when I'm done doing all this, I'm going to go through each one of these boxes, and they're they're big, man. They're, they can be like this big, mm-hmm. just full of all that stuff. And I'm gonna I'm gonna review all of it. I'll, I'll relive a lot of these moments. Or live them for the first time. and
0: share them with Kipling. Absolutely. And I I want to tell you, I want to get another question from Reddit over here. Um, And also, if you're listening at home or watching, and if you're not, you wouldn't be hearing me anyway, so that's kind of dumb to say. But um, CJ is going to take uh, his favorite question from Twitter next week and give you a Panini set of Fox Sports personalities trading cards so you can have me – at your home. So be sure to ask Mikey. It's called a hashtag, Chad. I know you don't know what that means. Oh, you're close. Yeah. So hashtag ask Mikey when you, t- when you ask your question, and you might be the proud recipient of a Panini trading card that could include me, could include mm-hmm. Jeff Gordon, possibly Daryl Waltrip, maybe even Larry McReynolds. Can, so, I go,
1: can I go back in time? Yes. Real quick. And I know I'm messing up CJ here a little bit. No, He's all right. But let's go back to uh, Rockford, Illinois. And I raced there, you know, I do. And you drove my father's race car. Did I really? Yes. I did not remember that. Yes. You drove. So my dad's, uh, I did.
0: I remember I did good there.
1: You did do well. Yeah. You did do well. My dad, I think you won or finished close to it. And then, so they had the, the stars come in, you and Dale and Daryl.
0: Right. And maybe Bobby.
1: Probably,
0: um, probably Rick Wilson did them a lot. Um, um, Brett Bodine did them a lot. Yep. Bobby. Allison would come with I, us. I think Probably Bobby, Bobby Allison I think it was, Bobby. was with Rockford was sort of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, was it wasn't a big like deal. your regular short. Truck. Right. No, so we brought a, all the big, yeah, heavy yeah, hitters there.
1: And what they did is they had to put you, you you pros in cars that would fit you. Right. Right. And my dad's like six two and a half, so he's clearly the tallest guy there. So you drove our car and did really well. And I think my dad ended up going out there and winning, and we won the overall. Right. So that was that was the first time I ever met you. That was that ninety one. You think it would have been no. Oh. Uh, Maybe.
0: I don't, I remember it being 91 it and I don't have been know in why. That, in that range? Yeah.
1: Yeah, right in that range. Yeah. I, w-
0: I would love to, I need to call Rockford and get a, a picture from that night. Like That'd be I, cool. I don't have any of those pictures from those days. God, I don't either, man. And we, it was so cool. We would, I'll tell you a quick story. Sorry, CJ. We went to <laughs> Slinger one night. <laughs> yeah. And so I get in, I, I get in this car and I literally, My knees are above my head. It's so bad, and I get out of it, and I say, you know, I don't know. I I don't think I can drive that one. I got to go find another one. So they take me around. So Rick Wilson's about five four or ten. He gets in that car and can't fit in. He gets out. So I I come. I had. I get back in it, and it's the one I decided I had to race because it was the best I could do. And I come pulling up. He goes. What are you doing in there? I didn't fit in there. <laughs> so just those stories of, of hanging out with Dale and Daryl and, and Rick. That was and awesome, man. Bobby Allison. Davey would go as well. Davey
1: was there, I think. Yes. Yep. So Anyhow, sorry. We had to go back in time a little bit.
0: Okay, cool. CJ. It's your turn. Sorry.
2: All right. So this question is from Peter, and it's NFL on Fox season, so I liked it. Uh, were you and Jimmy the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady of NASCAR?
0: Mm, I like it. That
2: that that you've heard that before. That parallel's been out there a lot. So what do you think? Um,
1: yeah, I guess you you know if you're going to say from what we accomplished and what we did, probably um, you know I, I've never met Bill Belichick. I would I would love to. Um, major respect for that guy. Uh, my wife's calling me. Um, you want to answer it? No, that's alright
0: hi, honey. <laughs> we, uh, maybe uh, maybe she's just telling you. She usually please.
1: FaceTimes me, so we're lucky there. <laughs> um, but um, I would love to meet him and then get his deal. I read his book, or I don't know how many books he's on, but a book of his. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his style. I like his hard-nosed uh, approach, and I obviously his, his record speaks for itself. So um, I think it's an, it's an honor for me to be put in the same light as a guy like that. And I think you know for Jimmy to be putting that same thing as Tom Brady is pretty spectacular. Well,
0: I don't, I can't see how you can't make that comparison. Uh, Dale Inman, Richard Petty, yeah. you know the the things that that Dale Earnhardt accomplished. But you really don't exactly put one guy with him. He he had a lot of different yeah. coaches, so the comparison I think is more yeah. relevant when it comes to to you yeah. and Jimmy. It was awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so maybe a little bit. Sure. Love How's that. that? I like,
2: I like the affirmative answer on that. Most people be like, "No, I don't know." Like they're, they're so great. I like the affirmative. Well, yeah, and, and, and answer that period, that.
1: man, we were, you know, they were winning and we were winning. And you know, if you look at our industry, yeah. But you know, I don't, I don't know what it takes to be a football coach. And you know, Jimmy, <laughs> sure, just not us know what it takes to be a quarterback. So I don't know what they. Do.
0: Perfect. Yeah. I that, that. That's a great answer. And <laughs> and um, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, we're gonna get you to the to the NFL on Fox. We'll get you to a game. You can meet Bill.
1: That would be great. I would love that. Yeah, that would be really happen. fun. What else you got over there? We're I know gonna... some people at Fox.
0: Yeah, you you work here, like what? That's that's on my list too. Let me go ahead and knock that one out. Um, crew chief forever or TV guy?
1: Oh man, I've been asking that, getting that asked a lot. Are people trying to get rid of me?
0: Man, am I am I not original? I'm trying to do my best <laughs> oh, job I, over. No, here. I
1: didn't mean you personally, but um, I really enjoy doing TV. Uh, yeah, It's me too. fun because it keeps me in it, but it takes me away. Right? Does that make sense? I, I really love, like I mentioned before, I love what I do. I love our sport. I love everything about it—the personalities, the activity, the action, the competitiveness of it. Um, but when I'm able to kind of just pull myself away a little bit and go and talk about it, is really kind of fun. Um, I don't have to be so serious all the time, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is good. I like that. Yeah. You know, like I just did TV with Brad Keselowski. If I was we were at the racetrack, I would never talk right, more, right. You know, so that's that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. And what about our producer, Ford Martin, over there? You got any stories on him? Was it, wasn't he your spotter at a race? Ford or? actually spotted
1: for us at Indianapolis for the Brickyard 400. Am I correct mm-hmm. with that? It was, and the Roval last season. Oh, and the Roval. That's right. I yeah, forgot about that. You I asked him. He skipped school to come spot for us. I, I did, yeah. It was, it was, it was <laughs> I asked him if he was the one that that up. What? <laughs> <laughs> I made sure I said nothing on the last lap.
3: It was all Earl. I said nothing the last lap. I think lap. he
1: said, "Go hit that 78." Uh, yeah, go get him. <laughs>
3: but man, I'll tell you what. So
0: What's one of your favorite memories of Chad's career as a young man? You watched all this happen.
3: I, man, I remember
0: was, him when he was this big walking around with his dad.
3: Yeah. He was, was wearing the old uh, Shell Pensol uniform, just dressed just like my dad. Yeah. All the time. And uh, so probably my favorite story that happened through the years, and, and people don't know, my dad was Gil Martin Coochie for Harvick for, all, for a couple years. And one of the stories was, uh, so my dad could never beat you on the track. He <laughs> could never beat you guys. And they were always trying to find out some way to get an edge. Yeah. So what they did is they left one of the deer cameras on a toolbox in an Acrosol camp. <laughs> On top of the toolbox <laughs> one day. And you are parked next to my dad at Atlanta. Yeah. And what they would do, I believe you came over and talked to one of the guys in the 2019. Yeah. And, you know, every time there's movement on one of those cameras, it takes a picture and a screen grab. And a picture where you, like, were looking at the camera and your head tilted a little bit. <laughs> Why do these guys and, have a camera? <laughs> and they took a screen grab and they put it somewhere, like, on the toolbox fantastic. or something. That's fantastic. But it was something. They, they were trying to find some way to get an edge sure, on you guys. Sure, sure. And they're like, well put up a picture of chad that's awesome coupons.
1: that's funny <laughs> i i remember your dad got so mad at me one time at a test at richmond virginia so we were backing out and your dad was crew chief for clint boyer and uh he's kind of coming you know how it's kind of tight on that one side of the garage by the racetrack the the seven cars coming down and they're backing out the the 48 and they just you know the 48's clearly back there and clint ran into us kind of like a real accident like clint was probably just in his belts or what have you and you texting know, maybe <laughs> well maybe and my guy was you know maybe not seeing exactly so we, we, we crashed a little bit i'm like i like, mean, you guys can't even back out of the damn garage what is the problem so clint backs up you know does a burnout goes into the garage so i go down there to be like hey guys you know i sorry you know that sucks right <laughs> and your dad was such a jerk. <laughs> it was so <laughs> – he was. And, I mean, like, he wouldn't even hardly talk to me. I was like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. You know, that, that sucks, you know. Um, just, you know, just say I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, he was not not nice. He was not now No, he's super nice to me now when I <laughs> see him. He's great. <laughs> but, but he well, was,
0: not, now you know why. You kept beating him. Well, now
1: well, he was pissed about it. Yeah, my picture hung up somewhere.
3: <laughs> Dude, it, was, it was probably my favorite memory. Was he told me about it? Because I mean, I mean, of course, I was like, I still had braces. You know? Yeah, my teeth looked like a train wreck still. So, <laughs> just just growing up and just, I would always talk about all the time. Like, man, we got to find a way to beat that 48. We got to find a way to beat that 48. And it was something that was a that was That's a pretty cool. funny moment.
1: How about this kid though? Like, he's he's growing up in the sport, and when he was spotting for us, I was like. I think he's got a future
3: in spotting. And yes. Now he's interdirecting you. Right. I, I'm retired now. I'm no retired. more spotting at all. No, no more anymore. I'm I'm all retired. And plus, he's to get me a couple times to be on the 48 does, or wherever, but I'm I'm retired. He now. does. He's a, a reporter too on MRN. He does the the. I mean, I'm in the turns. Do play by play. Be in Vegas here in a couple of weeks. The Truck Series. Wow. Yeah. And you guys are big time
1: in right. here, man. And I got CJ. CJ just does it all. Social he, media. Every rumors. time I see CJ, he's
3: doing this.
0: Yeah, we've got a lot going right? on. Right. Isn't that you? baby. <laughs> That's our live stream hey, show. Have you seen him walking around the garage? Right? <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> couple of the, the the greatest of all time are are Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon. Yeah. And you competed against them both. Mm-hmm. What what are your memories of of those guys?
1: Man, I can tell you when we when we started with the twenty four car racing against <laughs> Dale Senior, it, it was tough. It yeah. was hard, and, and
0: and he was he was mentally tough too, was. right? He wanted to take y'all down.
1: And the thing that I thought was really interesting is Jeff, and he was young, and but so confident that he would be okay getting into the cage with Dale. And when you get in the cage with Dale, you're not just racing against Dale. Like you have an emotional psychological game that you're you're doing that stems way before and way after you get out of the race car. You know, you know Dale would come up to you,
0: put his arm around you put your
1: arm around you, you're leaving the driver's meeting and kind of pull you down in. I mean, I had it happen. Jeff had it happen. We all did it at different times and that's how he kinda of got his message to you. And and Jeff was able to, you know, stand tall and, you know, get those talkings to and and, and come out on the top side. I thought it was great. And, 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 look, man, racing against the 24 car, I, I always wanted to be crew chief on the 24 car. Always. Like when I went to Hendrick Motorsports, I want to be crew chief for Jeff Gordon. I want to be crew chief on this 24 car. And my first real break being a crew chief was on the 48 that Jeff Gordon owned. Right, so I missed that opportunity, and now I'm crew chief on the 24 and just retired. So I missed it once again. But being able to race against Jeff Gordon with Jimmy Johnson was was just phenomenal. I mean, we had one year, Michael, that we won 18 of 36 races in the 48 and 24 shot. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's just fantastic. And you know, some of the races that we had, like at Martinsville, for instance, where Jeff is just beating the back bumper yeah. off of our car, and we go on to win the race.
0: And then the I remember the one at Texas where where Jeff comes on the radio and said oh, he's mad. <laughs> oh, four times, a little bad or whatever. This is, remember that?
1: We we did, man, and that's that's all part of competition, right? You know, Jeff owned the car. Jimmy was getting his, you know, his his legs, man. You know, and was was doing his deal. So it was pretty fun. That's
0: awesome. Good stuff. Great memories. Yeah, man. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming. You talked earlier about you know taking a, a minute to step back and see what's going on around you. This this podcast has given me that opportunity, and this is another great example of it. I really I really enjoyed our time yeah. together and telling stories and, and laughing.
1: Yeah, man, that's good stuff, Michael. I've, we've, we've had a, a, lot of, a lot of time together throughout the years in different scenarios. And, I, I mean, we talk about the family stuff. I've watched you raise Macy, who's an amazing little girl, um, transition from, you know, driver to owner and all of that stuff. And, you know, you're, you're a
0: big staple in our sport. You've done a good job. Well, I've had a great time, and I uh, really appreciate uh, uh, what you said about the documentary. It, it's, it's my life. It's, it's I tell people all the time, it's, it's a really good story if ain't me or Dale Jr. Because, you know, it, it really hits us pretty, pretty yeah, hard. But right. uh, I hope the fans enjoy it, and I appreciate your kind words. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm, I'm looking forward to looking at, uh, to, to watching it. I really am. Yes, sir. All right, appreciate you. Yeah, man. Well, thanks so much for listening. What a fun time that was. I love getting to sit down with some of the stars of NASCAR and listen to their stories. Listen to Chad Knaus tell us about Dale Earnhardt grabbing around the neck when they leave the driver's meeting to straighten him out a bit. Those are so much fun for me to hear and to listen to the stories about him working with Jeff Gordon, racing against Jeff Gordon, and, of course, all the success that he and Jimmy Johnson shared together. Seven championships. And now he's the crew chief for Willie B, William Byron. He's my favorite driver because he went to high school with my daughter, so that's special to me. So listen to this. What I want you to do is you can hashtag me. I didn't know Chad even knew that, but he did. You can hashtag #AskMikey and send your questions to Twitter, Reddit, wherever you want to send them. And if we pick one of your questions and it's our favorite, our social media guru, CJ, is going to send you a set of the Panini trading cards. Fox Sports has their own trading cards. You might get this. Or you might get Larry Mack or Daryl Waltrip or Jeff Gordon. You never know. So be sure to ask Mikey. Send us your questions and listen to the show next week. So much fun. And also, don't forget, September 12th, Blink of an Eye comes out. The documentary about my 2001 Daytona 500 win and what all happened after that. You can go to blinkofaneyefilm.com and search your zip code. Type in your zip code and it will tell you where a a theater is near you playing the documentary. So appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. I can't wait for next week. These Waltrip unfilters are really making me happy getting to meet the stars of NASCAR. You're really going to like next week's guest, I promise.